Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, I'm Andrew Wallace, and welcome to the We've Got a Problem podcast, where each week we explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and solutions to prevalent problems and how our guests have turned problems into opportunities. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Genoa Graham, also known as Dr. Graham in Purpose. She's an international public speaker, author, professor, and adjunct executive team leader. With a 20-year career in corporate accounting and consulting, she's also the founder of the Educational Debt Cancellation Foundation, as well as Utilitarian Financial Consulting Corporation. Dr. Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. I'm so honored. I'm so honored. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. So student loan debt has been in the news a lot lately, and you were way ahead of the curve on this. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you came to focus on helping people deal with educational debt? Um, It comes from my personal experience. Um, I was a first-generation college student, and I was a single mother at the time. And so in order to find a school that met my needs, I ended up at a private school. Um, And with private schools come private school costs, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, so I looked up at undergrad and I owed like almost $90,000 in undergrad oh. debt um, for an accounting degree. And at the time, $90,000 for an accounting degree in debt as a yes. single mother. All right. Sorry. Don't mean to interrupt. Just go on. Yes. But that is that is a huge problem. And as you know, when you start your first job, you don't make nearly that. Um, So end up having to balance, you know, keeping a roof over my son's head while trying to manage how to pay this back. Um, And so I I started Educational Debt Cancellation Foundation so that I could help other people's kind of avoid that cost if they can. Um, Because a lot of times it's not where you go to school, it's how you use the information. Um, So just doing some of that education. And then as I get scholarships, um, I kind of give back to other student mothers who have student loan debts that try to um, alleviate, you know, their struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. So part of the question is, how is anybody, I mean, I, I, like I said, student loan debt's been in the news a lot lately. And I, I kind of wonder how anybody is supposed to pay this money back in a reasonable time frame on the jobs that you can get for the most part coming out of college, $90,000. What, what are the, what were the payments like on that versus your salary? Well, my salary at the time was only 35,000. And so (laughs) you can imagine doing the math. There was just no way there was just no room for it. Um, So I ended up getting a master's and hoping that, okay, I want to go into management. I want to advance my career. Um, I'm not able to pay my student loans back. So let me just keep going to school and then, you know, hoping that I'll get that, you know, in the market. Um, But as you know, the market does not support higher education and getting the return on your investment for that. So it's really not set up for success. Um, You ended up not at all. I mean, that's and and of course, you just add more debt to it, getting the masters. Hopefully you can get something to help defray part of the cost. But the, the extra debt you would take on to get the masters doesn't it doesn't make isn't made up for when you talk about the salary that you're going to get by 
adding that on. Exactly. And there are ways to kind of circumvent that, but you have to be doing that ahead of time. And so that's what I teach people is making sure that you have a work environment that appreciates your higher education before you get it. You make sure you have a mentor and a network um, that's going to be able to put you in a position and put you in touch with the people that you need to in order to try to build those relationships to get that salary that you're looking for. And you need to do that before you get the education. Um, Those of us who got the education first and we didn't have the community and the network behind it we're just kind of stuck yeah well community and network is such a key component to have a community that supports you and and people that understand your goals and and that grasp the concept of what you're trying to achieve and want to support that and just we, we all can't perform at our best all the time. Right. Um, when you're trying to make it as a single mother, I, I, you, you, you've got to be desperate for somebody to just help you during those moments when you're absolutely at rock bottom trying to just get across town. I read in your book, right, trying to get across town, uh, falling on the, on the ground, the tears frozen to to your child's mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. those kinds of moments to have anybody there maybe who'd even been through it before to say this this too shall pass you will get through it with hard work perseverance faith whatever it is that your community is there for but to have any kind of support system is super valuable especially at work um so when we talk about student loan debt, what do you think the solution is to the student loan debt crisis? Um, the, the, solu- the long-term solution is to stop the bleeding. Um, we have to have a market that supports the income. You know, we need to be able to get a return on the investment because right now we're lopsided. You hear stories back in the 1950s and 60s and 70s where people are like, well, oh, I worked a night job at a restaurant or I waitressed and paid my way through college. You can't right. say that now. The cost of education is so expensive. You know, you, we're mortgaging our future just to get the education. But then when it's time for us to go to the market, we don't get a return on the investment. Right. So we have to take a look, a look at that and either bring the cost of education down or we raise, you know, the, the, the market to make it feasible and say, OK, you have this bracket. If you have a Ph.D., it's this bracket. If you have a master's, it's this bracket. And then, you know, teach people how to make it a priority to repay the debt. Um, yeah. Some of it is just people's laziness. They get overwhelmed and they're trying to survive and make a family. Well, and, I mean, look, you know, we're, we're expecting a whole lot of people to understand what kind of contract they're signing when they go into this. The, yes. you know, somebody in their, in their teenage years coming into these kinds of things at, at 18, 19, 20 even, going, I certainly wasn't emotionally mature enough to understand the true concept of how much debt that would be, what it would be yes. like to try and pay that back, what the salaries were to have looked. I just, I, I wanted to go to college because that's what people are supposed to do right. who want to get ahead. 
And of course, the cost of education has gone up far faster than inflation and far faster than salaries have. So it is no longer possible, like you say, for somebody to work their way through school and leave Mm -hmm. basically debt free. It can't happen. I don't know, you know, state school, whatever it is. Yeah, you can't. You you have to you have to educate. Um, We need to bring back counselors, guidance (laughs) counselors at the high school level um, that are dedicated to helping students make better decisions about their future, because college is not for everybody. Right. um, But we're just feeding the fight, the pipeline, because we go to college because that's what we're supposed to do in order to get ahead. Well, the environment's different now. And so you have plenty of entrepreneurs and people that are doing wonderful things, making great money without going to college. But it's all individual. It's all about what that student needs and what they want out of life. And if we're not having those conversations at the high school level like we used to, then we're just we're just feeding a monster. and We're not doing our future justice at all. Yeah, I think that that's that's a huge one for people to hear, which is to be clear. And again, there aren't that many teenagers going through high school who've gotten clear on what their goals are and what they want out of life and what's actually important to them. They've seen what other people want. They've gotten their value system mostly from other people, from mm-hmm. their parents, from 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 TV, from the media, even their teachers, but not what what matters to them. And right. and, and 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 can't even uh grasp the concept of what's their own internal value system mm-hmm. and in those kinds of situations you talk about guidance counselors a good counselor is invaluable to helping yeah. you at least step through those things of starting that thought process we all a lot of us i mean even even you know people in their 30s 40s and 50s skip the right. process of truly being clear about what their goals are but in some place like europe where they don't have that single track. Everybody has to go to a a liberal arts college and get an education in this and that and the other thing. They, they have a, that from early, even early on in in high school or what they consider the the secondary school kind of thing, they've Mm -hmm. got this kind of other track. That's the, the, uh, the, the, the apprenticeship wage worker, uh, tradesman track. Mm-hmm. And and that would t- I don't know why we look down on people who are are plumbers and electricians and and all the people who make society function, but right. those are those are good jobs. You know the they guy are. <laughs> doing my air conditioning, well. <laughs> right? Yes, the guy right the guy doing my air conditioning can get paid a hundred dollars an hour basically if he's doing one call an hour. Because that's what they're there's and there's some education there. There's a lot of you know specialized tradesmen work and certifications that go into it. But you could earn those faster than you could get through a four year college at a yes. lower cost and be working while you're doing it, making decent money. Exactly. Exactly. How do you respond to the kind of people who say? Uh, talking about cancellation of student debt. Well, look, these people by the law were adults when they took out this debt and they should have to pay it back no matter what. I agree with that statement. Um, 
However, most people, like you alluded to earlier, are not truly educated on what that means. Yes, I have to take out a loan. Yes, I know that I have to pay it back. But do I truly understand that my $10,000 loan today is going to cost me $97,000 if I don't pay it back, you know, in the next 40 years? Right. And And how long is it going to take me to pay that? And how much am I going to be making? Right. And how much interest and all of that? Um, It's just no real conversations are being had about that. And so um, I asked them for solutions. What what do you provide? What do you suggest? Um, Because I'm talking to people, I'm educating people, um, I'm having them walk through the process. I encourage them not to make emotional decisions about college. Okay, don't go to the big four or the big 20 or the top this just because your your father or your grandfather or your mom went there. What is your budget? What can you actually afford? What is your out-of-pocket cost? All of that. Um, so getting, then, getting real with what the actual yeah. numbers are and having them have a you know an internal conversation with themselves about what this really looks like. Because that's the... Yeah. What is the reality going to be when you get out and you're making forty five grand a year trying to pay off ninety thousand dollars in student loans? I mean, you could work right. for two years and not eat and not live anywhere, and you still <laughs> like. Well, I've come up with some other more creative solutions. Um, so one of them is like if you have several family members and you want to all live together and help each other, you know, pay off debt. That's a way, but people don't want to do that. Um, if you're a married situation, you have one, you know, one spouse's income takes care of the household and the other spouse's income takes care of the debt. Nobody wants to do that. So, you know, yeah. what There's, is willing there, to I mean, sacrifice? Look, they're right. They're, of course, there are ways to do this. There, there are ways to, to pay off debt, but mm-hmm. they are painful. And they are. people don't want to... Again, people don't understand. I think you get back to it. People don't understand what the reality is going to be like day to day with that hanging over their heads um, when they take it out to go, okay. I mean, just, so many loans are, are, are like that, I suppose, but student loans in particular because it's, it's mortgage-like debt. It's yes. that quantity of stuff. Yes. And, and to have two mortgages over your head in your lifetime is very, very stressful. Very stressful. <laughs> Who needs that kind of stress? I was just, just I'm getting stressed t- thinking about it. I really, you've written a memoir of sorts dealing with your own personal struggle. Yes. And in it, you talk about how you came to discover that the world wasn't your enemy, that it was kind of in your own mind. Can you tell me about that? Yes. So my book, Cyanidation, The Refinement of My Life, Um, basically talks about how I was raised um, in a single parent household with a, my mother had her own mental issues and mental health issues that she was dealing with. And so we were raised to fear the world. And so I grew up with that mindset. And as I became an adult and then became a, you know, a parent in my teen years, I, I started noticing differences. And so faith became my go to, um, as my, how do I separate what's happening in my mind and what I've been taught that I I know is not right, but how do I fix this so that I don't damage my child and I can have a full future for myself? Um, Because you absolutely can't live in an environment where you think everybody's out to get you or everybody's out to hurt you. 
Um, so you work the methods that you see that are working and then you just kind of put your own little toolkit together. <laughs> hey, that's, I think that's what we're all trying to do, right? Is, mm-hmm. I mean, even when it's a, I say a high class problem, obviously you and I had different childhoods. Um, <laughs> it's probably an understatement, uh, the understatement of the century, but no matter what, it's it's just a a, a different amounts and, and degrees of the same kinds of of suffering and 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 ways that you deal with setbacks and yes. cultivating a sense of resilience and again clarity on what you're looking to and and trying to do and what you think is working because going okay I, I've got to start to put a toolkit together because this isn't right. This isn't yes. healthy. This isn't. This isn't what I want for my child. Um, exactly. <laughs> and going back to community, community is very important. So that's how getting outside of my own home and seeing how other people in the community were doing different things that started giving me reference points of comparison that I could really use to say, okay, this situation versus that situation. I could start building my actual, you know, view and paradigm of life based on that. So community is extremely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is next? You guys are, you've got the EDCF and then also the Utilitarian Financial Consulting Corporation. Mm-hmm. What, how, how has your work uh, changed recently? Are you still working in the kind of corporate accounting world or have, are those your two primary focuses? Um, Those are my two primary focuses, um, but I'm also doing a lot more like outreach work. Um, So I'm in the community. I'm doing what's called Dr. GNP, which is my Dr. Graham in Purpose community outreach. I'm in the community, in the bookstores, you know, talking about my book, talking about things that are going on in the community. Um, I also have a partnership with Heaven's Harvest Ministries, which is my church in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, where we are helping people get back into the walls of their church. Um, so we're looking at their church needs, where it'd be the the church itself needs physical care, some, you know, maintenance or whatever the case may be, to the accounting and the actual running of the church. So what support those churches do they need to get back into the community, to get the community back inside the doors? Because um, online church is not the same. It's not yeah. the same, and it's not a long-term solution for any, you know, religious and spiritual experience again um, because community. you have to gather <laughs> yeah you've, you've got to gather for community mm-hmm. and there are some there there are obviously impediments in place that yes. that 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 have made it difficult for that to happen mm-hmm. but with the right steps in place that is possible again to form community whether it's community and go beyond religious organizations any mm-hmm. kind of time that you're trying to create a connection this as much as we have and i feel like we've got a great rapport but as much as you and i have across zoom this is not the same as sitting it's not there's nothing like a hug there's nothing like a a smile that you can see and touch um holding of hands um a lot of our teenagers are having you know problems because they're so stuck in their technology you know you have to get out of the technology and actually interact with people face to face. And I think yeah. we're having a hard time getting back to that. So, oh, and, and, 
it's difficult to talk to people when you I there's there's a we can talk about technology. I mean I that obviously I have opinions, but <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 fact is that technology has become a substitute for the lack of connection that we sense that we have and then it's isolated us even more. Yes. Right? So you you get into the 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 Facebook, Twitter, Instagram world and people are hungry for that connection obviously because they're on these social networks, right? Mm-hmm. But they're putting the value on how much it gets reflected back on them. How many likes did I get? How many people saw my post? How many people commented back? Oh, I'm feeling it's there's there's a little bit of a an egotism to it, but also yes. you just keep swiping down like a slot machine to refresh <laughs> to get the Yeah. Oh, get me one more comment. Get me a new get me a new thing. There was a great commercial um that that some girl was sitting at her computer like my parents aren't on social media at all they don't understand anything and then you cut to the parents who are out actually living they're uh-huh. they're, they're they're outdoors they're they're kayaking they're they're riding bicycles through the woods she's like they don't understand that i mean they're really missing out on on life here she's just sitting in her kitchen typing on the thing you know, i maybe our perspective is a little altered by by technology but it's those kinds of community organizations that you're working with, those the churches especially, mm-hmm. um, if religion is a big part of people's lives, that are so valuable at forming that bedrock structure that we talked about. Yes. And even in my own life, it's been invaluable to help shape, you know, my son, who is now an adult, those formative years um, to become the man that he's supposed to be. Because as a woman, you can't really, you can't raise a man. Only a man can raise a man. And um, I had to get him around a community of men that had the future or wanted the same future that he wanted. And so that kind of shaped him to help him get there. And so I'm extremely grateful for that. Fantastic. (laughs) So what are you seeing most of all, like what are the primary problems that, the organizations you're working with are are facing? Getting out of performance and just enveloping the the culture of the experience. Um, So if you have a relationship with God, focus on the relationship with God. If you want a relationship with people, then you focus on the relationship with people. And there's a time and there's a place for everything. And so getting out of our homes, getting out of our apartments and actually getting together and gathering and being purposeful on how we're developing those relationships will take us so much more further. Absolutely. So in your in your business and in your practice, what would you say is the most common fallacy that's just total BS that everybody else buys into? What what in your business do you think that's just something that's commonly held that is actually um, we have normalized living beyond our means. We talked about it in the education format, but we talk about it. We see it in our homes. We see it in our clothes. We see it on social media. We're spending money before we actually make it. And so we're, we live, we're living a life of perpetual debt. We have to come out of that. So I focus on saving. There's plenty of, you know, investment people out there that show you how to make money and do all the risk and stuff. I show you how to keep it. 
I show you how to downsize. I show you how to make every dollar count and be purposeful about it. And then as you have your, you know, your relationship with God or your determination, whatever the case may be, the love for your family, whatever it is that keeps you going, that keeps you focused on your goals, you use that in your everyday and how you do your business and how you do your household to change, you know, the mindset of how you spend money and where you spend it. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, you talk about normalizing living beyond our means, the concept that that it's so simple to talk to people about, but that they don't seem to grasp is that your the amount that you can save is your inflows minus your outflows. Yes. <laughs> and if your outflows are bigger than your inflows, then you're going to be in the red. And they try to compare them because it's normalized. They're comparing themselves to other people, not realizing those other people are deeper in debt than they are themselves. The the freedom of, and I think it's happened to me one day in the last two years, but the freedom of like, all the bills are paid and oh. the, <laughs> the credit card is, is zero, <laughs> right? Like I, the, the, the credit card balance is zero. And I don't, I personally don't ever carry a balance, but mm-hmm. there'll always be something that I've, that I've charged that's coming up and that I, that, okay, well that won't come till the next billing cycle and, and whatever. But to have been to that point where it's like, look, I got $6 left in the checking account. Everything's paid that I'm zero balance for everything. I can't eat today, but at the moment, Yes, it's liberating. Yeah, it's liberating. And boy, do you feel like I got a secret? Like I'm, 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 you know, other than the mortgage, which you know, that's another concept. But (laughs) and I also teach people you have to be realistic about that. Um, Do you need the biggest house in the world? Do you need, you know, do you need all of that? All the amenities, all the this, all of that. Just be realistic about what your family needs are and what you're trying to do and then make sure that your entire family is on the same page um, so that you're not fighting each other. Boy, is Um, that a key one? Get, get alignment (laughs) at least between the key decision makers between husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, anybody else, you got to be on the same page. It's yes. Yes. And you'll be more successful. So yeah, but getting debt free and and living a, a very, simplistic life without the overhead of debt and the constant headache is is so liberating and and that's what we want everybody to get towards and i think it also frees you to focus on the higher level of stuff that's important to you because mm-hmm. that kind of stress i mean it's not even low level stress i was going to say the the little bit of low level stress it creates just to know that you owe somebody else money then you're not sure how you're going to pay it back is is a constant stressor even when you're not really thinking about it it's hanging over every decision you make like should should we be going should we be doing this can we can we do this and you're not fully present with your kids with your mm-hmm. spouse with your partner whatever yeah yeah it's it, it's hard to snuggle when you don't know if the lights are going to go out any minute cuz you couldn't pay the bill yeah. so you know <laughs> <laughs> having having things taken care of is <laughs> definitely puts your mind at ease. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. 
What do you think the most unexpected detour that your career has taken has been? Entrepreneurship. Like, I really did not see myself as a business owner. Um, I was just kind of forced into it because of I'm not a very good fit for a lot of the, the corporate standard behavior and mentality, um, even though I can play along when I need to. But it's not it's not my favorite go to. So um, after about 15, almost 20 years in the corporate environment, um, when I moved to Georgia, I decided to come out of the corporate environment and get into consulting. And so that has been its own journey. And from that, we have the book and some other things that are coming down pike um, with that. And I just, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. So, but here I am. <laughs> but here you are and, and seeming to thrive. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Dr. Graham, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Is there anywhere people can go to get more information about you and what you're up to? Oh, absolutely. They can go to www.drgnp.com and you can read all about me, all about my services, EDCF, um, Stewardship of Grace, which is my partnership with Heaven's Harvest Ministries, and then any upcoming events for my community outreach. And your book is called Cyanidation, The Refinement of My Life, which is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, check that out and also check out Dr. GNP. And thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it immensely. 